We know that there is a void in many places where your word should be. But we are thankful that you are here with us right now. We know that where more than one or two are gathered, you are present. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for your reassurance. Thank you for your reassuring presence. We pray now that the Spirit speaks to us through what is spoken, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing we have to understand that God truly is with us at all times. We need to be reminded of that. For those of us who are believers who just learned more about God through accepting Jesus Christ as personal Savior, to the more seasoned believer who has been in a relationship with Jesus Christ for many, many years... We're on equal, an equal playing field because there's still more for all of us to learn. Amen? We are still learning. We're still growing. We're still developing. Now, I don't want to make any assumptions about everybody knowing the Lord here, but I'm going to make an assumption that many of us here do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, all of us are still learning. We are not beyond learning. And we are still understanding that because of how God created us and made us, we still have to understand that we are living in a fleshly domain. In a fleshly domain, we understand that there are going to be a lot of things that are going to distract you from having an effective personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice I said effective. You'll never lose your salvation if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you certainly will scuffle if you allow the world to get in the way of your faith and your faith progress. Amen? Amen. That is a given for all of us. And this lesson kind of demonstrates that how we, in our own way of reasoning and thinking, can hamper our own efforts to have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need to understand that We were talking about if-then statements, and we will be concluding this lesson today and getting on to the new lesson, so I'm just letting you know that now. The if-then statements that we have should be empowering us if we look to what God is saying to us about them. Let's turn real quick to Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Verses 18 and 19. The one thing we need to understand about the Psalms is that the Psalms is an expression of emotion. Of course, Psalms are nothing but song lyrics that are presented to us or poetry for the purposes of us seeing emotional responses people have to God. And these emotional responses can be good or bad based upon the circumstances of what the lyrics are for writing. You know, that's what songs are all about today. You know, when you see songs that are written, those are all expressions of emotion. Those are all expressions of feelings of some sort. Well, look at what Psalms 66, 18 and 19 say. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. 
What does Psalm 66, 18 and 19 tell you about your relationship with the Lord and his response to you to help you through a tough situation? Look at the verses again. Look at what the verses say. And what is the verse? What are the verses expressing to you? Those two verses alone. What are they saying to you about your relationship with the Lord? And his response when you call upon him. There's a couple of statements being made there. You need help with this? If I if I if I'm living in such a way that's that's correct. If I'm living in such a way where I am doing things that I know that are against God's character, against God's word, against God's will, if I'm sinning, then the expectation is, don't expect to hear from God. Amen? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a rooted principle about being a believer in Jesus Christ or even a non-believer. If you're a sinner, don't expect to hear from him. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That doesn't mean he doesn't care for you. It means that Sin and God don't mix. Your life in Jesus Christ has to be a life where you are devoted to doing those things prayerfully, um, resisting sin, hiding the word in your heart so that you may not what? May not sin against him. So the expectation is there that if you're sinning, you don't expect to hear from him. So that's established. Yes. Very much so. Sometimes I may sin and not realize it. So I'm always asking through the power of the Holy Spirit to show me so that I can relent and recognize it. That's part of the that's part of what we all should be doing. The Holy Spirit is going to be is the part of all of this recognition. Okay, now look at verse nineteen. But truly God has listened. Truly God has listened. That writing shows that the person who is expressing this knows that God has heard that person's prayer. That is the beginning of what we understand as people as of a healing process. When you know that God is present, when you understand it. Now, remember, he's never left you. He's always been there. But we need to be reassured of God's presence. By what? Our communication efforts with him. He's never left you. We leave him all the time. We leave him. We step away from him when we're doing what? The iniquity that's talked about in verse 18. Who had their hand up? Was that you? It can be a confession of repentance. Sure. If you're repenting, that's right. You're dumping and getting rid of your wanting to say, Lord, I want a relationship with you. I'm turning away from what I was doing to now recognizing I want you in my life. Guess what? That's the root of the salvation prayer. That's the repentance aspect. In order for you to recognize Jesus Christ as Savior, you have to say, 
I want to change the way I'm living my life, and I know I need Jesus Christ in my life. Immediately. The Spirit will do it. You just have to pay attention to the Spirit. I can pray for my children. Okay. Because I see those that have come to him are getting uh, lazy. Okay. And I get, uh, I'd be afraid if I just didn't get in the room and didn't pray. But it seems like they're starting to go about their life anyway. It's like they're drinking wine. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, yesterday I was, That's always the prayer. They have to make that choice on their own. Lynn, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> I must have turned it up, putting the mic on. Okay, all right. So we understand in verse 19, he has attended to the voice of my prayer. That's what we want. That's what we want to see. Rather than waiting for God to do something, we need to make sure that we have the power to do what? Reach out to him. Express yourself. Speak to him. We have the power to do that. There's nothing that's holding you back from that except what? Your desire to live contrary to his will. You have the ability to reach out to him at any time. Any place, anywhere. And by the way, when you go on vacation, you're not taking a vacation from God where you go somewhere. Amen? Yeah. That's the thing we need to understand, too. You have the power to reach out to God wherever you're at and do those very things. We, you know, we talk about, yeah, I got to get out, man. I got to get out of this place. I got to get my job is killing me. I can't wait to go on vacation. And do what? So you need to understand that this is not just something that you just do part time. That's what that's what trips us up. We understand that. Yeah, we're living in the world. We have worldly issues that we deal with on a regular basis. But sometimes God appoints us to do what? Deal with these worldly issues, these people that we have to interact with and live a life for Christ. Right. Lord, just help. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, that just proves. Whether you're a brand new believer and you're dealing with a seasoned believer, like I said at the beginning of this, we ain't all got it together. Sometimes we just need help. We all need help. We all need the Spirit to speak to us and help us with these issues as they come up. Now let's go over real quick to um, 2 Timothy 2.12. 2 
God puts forth in his scriptures if-then scenarios all the time. We talk about this. We talked about this last week and even the week before. where We mentioned that he gives you information that's helpful to you in order for you to have a helpful, a healthy relationship with him. If you don't sin, you can have a great relationship with the Lord. If you sin all the time, you can have all kinds of problems. I mean, that's what Scripture basically has said. If you go back in the Old Testament and look at all the declarations that were made about behaviors. And why has God put forth this information to us? Because he knows who we are. He knows exactly who he's dealing with. He created you. He made you. He knows what your tendencies are. Jesus talked about it all the time when he talked about those wicked people, those people that he was dealing with, those people who were conflicted, those Pharisees, those Sadducees, those that were going contrary, where they were using the premise that they were close to God, but in fact they were far from him. Don't you be one of those people. What's that commercial that talks about, you know, don't, (laughs) there's this constant... You know, something about, you know, I don't know, being a lion tamer. I don't know what it was. I forget what it was, but don't be one of those people. It's a great, I can't remember one of the scenarios now, so I'll have to move on from that. But let's look at what it says here in 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. All right. It's pretty clear when he talks about enduring. This goes back to the statement I made earlier about living in the world and dealing with all kinds of stuff that's thrown at you. There are people who are opposed to God because they want to live in such a way where they are worshiping their own God, which is either themselves or Satan. Let's just tell it like it is. If you're not on God's team, you're on Satan's team. Amen? Amen? If you're, on God, if you're not on God's team, you're on Satan's team, whether you know it or not. But you are. You've chosen sides. When you're living in the world, you stand out because you are doing the very things that are diametrically opposed to living a worldly life. And that means you have to endure, which happens to be the fifth letter in the word image that we've talked about. You have to endure all kinds of stuff living for the Lord. If we endure, we will also reign with him because he challenges us to stay the course, stand fast, stand for the word, stand up for the word, defend the word, hold your ground. We have to hold our ground as believers. This whole political, it's become political, discussion about abortion comes down to holding your ground. Either you believe in the sanctity of life or you don't. And what has to happen is you make a decision that says, you know what, this is much more important because you're following godly principles. Every life is precious. God has never said that one life is more important than another life. Amen? Never said it. He values the relationship with everyone. All people. No matter where they're coming from or where they're going. 
If you're living Christ-like principles, that's exactly how you should look at it. Yeah. Yes. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's right. That's a strong statement, isn't it? He wants us to be faithful. He knows that we struggle with faith, but it doesn't change who he is. He's faithful. He keeps his promises. We need to see that and understand that as well, too. He keeps all of his promises. Okay. So we need to understand that we have an if-then scenario now that we can really count on. God is saying if we endure, he's going to be with us. He's going to be with us. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. We will be with him. We will reign with him in life and after life. In life and after this life. That's a promise that we have from him. We need to understand that. But if we deny him, he's going to deny us. The sin, the unforgivable sin, is not suicide. The unforgivable sin is actually denying or blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Who is the one who gets people to acknowledge Jesus Christ? It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had to speak to you to tell you that you needed a Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. When you deny the Spirit, that ultimately is the unforgivable sin because you have determined you do not need God. You do not need anyone to tell you what to do. You only want to live for yourself. That's what we have to understand about denying what that really means. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you can be with these people mm-hmm. and do in many ways rather mm-hmm. than God's way. Right. They don't know it about it. I, I remember being in circumstance of uh, they were professing the word and called me and stuff. So I thought, be still and pray. Mm-hmm. And say a word, go pray. Just pray. But sometimes I have more trouble with this. Well, they're all learning. You have to understand something. Just because you profess to have experience in something doesn't make you always qualified (laughs) with a thud (laughs) to be able to help someone with something. What? Yeah. Okay. So I need you to speak up a little bit for everybody else, though. So. No, that's <laughs> within reason. Yes. Okay. Second Timothy. Two thirteen. Okay. That's right. Right. He has faith. He has. He is faithful. As far as what he does, what he will do, what he continues to do for us. He cannot deny himself, cannot disown himself because it's his character. 
That's his very character. That's his very nature. That's what that passage represents. It's giving, you a, it's giving you a glimpse of the character of God. Even though we have flaws, our faith is waning. You know, all he says, we need to have a faith of a mustard seed and we can move mountains. Well, that's, that is more than just a statement that's you know, something that's... I, I want to use the right word for it. It means if you have any kind of faith at all, he will, he will embrace that. He loves that. He wants to challenge you to do more than that as well, too, and continue to grow in your faith. What? Peter, I think, is a good example of that. Okay. He was faithless for a moment when he denied Christ three times. Christ didn't disown him for that moment. He right. remained faithful to him, mm-hmm. and he restored him at the proper time as he confessed his sin. So that's kind of the balance. It's like that's not somebody that's denying the existence of Christ and the Holy Spirit. But someone who may be a believer that has elapsed, but still truly lives. That you know, he remains faithful to that person who's yeah. become faithless. And it's a really a true statement because it's a statement about us. You know, Peter, even though he denied Christ three times, it's still a statement about who we are too. When the heat was being turned up, Peter froze. He, yeah, he, he basically folded. And understand something. When the heat gets turned up, guess what we can do sometimes, too? We, we freeze. We wind up denying the very one who brought us to that point where, we, where, they, where you are right now. Okay. Did someone else? I think that was it. I want to make sure I got everybody before I move on because I want to get to this next lesson. Go to John eight thirty six. What would you say the conditional statement in John 8.36, would you say the conditional statement in John 8.36 was better or worse than getting your way with an if only would God would do blank scenario? And why? It's a good question. Well, what does it say in John 8.36? First of all, I'm just going to tell you right now, John 8.36 should be a memory verse for you. And why do I say that? You need to understand Especially in communicating when you're discipling other people, you need to understand that there is a value in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are conveying this value to other people because you want people to associate what? Christ with freedom. Freedom. Understand something. When our ancestors were here in slavery... They developed a relationship with God through the power of the Spirit to do that, where even though they were in bondage, they still believed they were free. Free spiritually. Because they had something to look forward to. There's freedom in Christ. The verse says, So if the Son sets you free... Setting you free, meaning you have a relationship, freedom from what? Bondage when it comes to sin. You no longer have bondage of sin. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you have what? Eternal life. Before that, what did you have? Eternal damnation. There's freedom. That needs to be communicated. So when we look at that verse... Would you say the conditional statement in John 8.36 was better or worse 
than getting your way with an if God would only do blank scenario. And why? It's not meant to be a trick question. You have your way of looking at things. You look at this verse, verse 36, and it says, if you're the son of Christ, is, if you have freedom in Christ, you have freedom indeed. Better. Okay. Freedom is freedom. That's right. My, my wife says it correctly. Freedom is freedom. Sin enslaves you. I, I'll share this with you. I may have shared it before. I don't know. But um, without being pejorative about anything, I had a massive tax bill that I had left with me after my divorce. And the bottom line is that I had to make arrangements with the IRS to pay monthly this tax bill. And not too long ago, I paid it off. I think Steve Harvey even told a story like this once. He did. He had, been, he had a much bigger tax bill than I did. But it was like, but, he, but while you're having to pay this thing, you have to understand, you have this on your head, it's on your shoulders. You, you feel a, a, a weight that you're trying to get off of you. Whether the tax bill was your bill or not, you have to still do something with it. You can't ignore it. What will happen if you ignore it? You know, your bank account can get taken. These are your house, whatever they want to do to try to satisfy that debt. The bottom line is I made that last payment. And I'm like waiting for confirmation from the IRS. Send me something that shows this thing is paid in full. And when I paid that bill off, you talk about freedom. Free indeed. Praise the Lord. And I mean, and I'm talking about hallelujah a million times. You know, this is how you feel when you lift a weight like that off of your shoulders. Especially after 10 years. That's right. It took 10 years to pay this thing. 10 years. Now, I say that to say that, trust me when I tell you, there ain't nothing like freedom. If you want to say that sin is bondage, it absolutely is bondage because sometimes you don't even realize you're in sin. What is it about the, the, people, the, the, the people who are released from jail and they wind up going back to jail? They're comfortable with it, but, that, but they're still in bondage. The mentality of those individuals are that they can't live outside of the system. They have to stay in the system so the system takes care of them. That's bondage. No way to live. Okay. Well, that's the way they want to live, right? The guy that we've talked about who lived in my father-in-law's garage for a little while, Charles, will not get under any system other than just being homeless. He's making a choice to do that. He's been offered jobs. He's been offered ways to make a living. He's been offered to choose not to. He's in bondage. Even when you are living in such a way where you can do better for yourself, you're choosing not to. That's Satan tricking you. That's bondage. 
He would like nothing better than us as believers to keep doing things, to put yourself behind the eight ball and not be able to give your best for Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what he wants. And that is a mindset. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Bondage is a mindset that you've allowed to creep in, in one way or another. Where all that Jesus wants you to do is just be free. Do the things that are going to help you to live free, stay free, focus on him, and he will help you with that. Yes. It does. That's right. Sure. So you have to see the freedom as if I decrease my will, continue to follow the Spirit's leading. That's the very nature of the question. That's right. That's right. We're better off living with the John eight thirty six scenario, living for Christ and trusting in Him, because that equates to freedom. The if then scenario that we put in place puts conditions on it. Oh, why would you do that? Well, your mind will do that if you allow it to. So, so this, is, this, is not, this is a little bit of understanding that Jesus is giving you an out. He's giving you an opportunity to seek after him and be free in all aspects of your life. And that includes debt. That includes you know, wages you're living, how you're spending your time, how you eat, how you exercise, how you, all the things that he's having you look at all of these things. And living in such a way where you're living in true freedom, you, know, you don't want to, what you want to do, you don't want to set yourself up, for example, if you've been eating bacon and, and sausage and fat stuff for 40 years of your life, what do you think is going to happen in the 50th year? You might have a problem. You might have a problem. Problem is you've got to eat healthy. There are things that you need to do. It doesn't mean you've got to give it all up. But it's just common sense. This is how you, in order for you to be the best you can be for Christ, you need to do the things that will help you to be the best you can be for Christ. And it includes all aspects of your life, not just some of them. Why don't you read those real quick? Yes. I remember that. Sounds like bondage to me. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. It's true. As you read these passages, you see how Satan wrestled with and tussled with even the people who are being one of the most glorious examples of, of, of deliverance from slavery ever recorded. And they're still acting like, man, 
If we only could go back. What is that? That's a psychological, they're not looking at what God has done for them. They're not seeing that freedom we just read about in John 8.36. They're seeing that, well, because someone's taking care of us, we're going to go ahead and keep making bricks without straw. But that's the mentality. Is that not what we see today? I just gave you examples of it. What's the difference? What's the difference? We've got people who are believers who are living like this. That need prayer. We need to pray for these people. They haven't continued. As I said earlier, whether you're a brand new believer or a seasoned believer, we all have room for growth. And those seasoned believers get in a rut sometimes. They need prayer. Is that what you were? Well, yes. Surrendering it. Absolutely. And I just looked at her and I thought, I didn't have that. Because mine was going on, those are if then scenarios. You just funnel into that. That's right. That's right. Understand something. What this thing is that we're talking about is faith. Faith. It's all about faith. And we are always prayerful to develop our faith, aren't, aren't we? I mean, that's what, that's what he wants us to do. We're seeking him and gaining, at the very least, comfort if we don't understand what's going on. But that's what he wants us to do. That eliminates 
these if-then scenarios, or at least counters those if-then scenarios that we put into situations. We are learning from other people. You just learned something from this woman about her faith and a challenge to you on what I need to do to deal with that. Those who want to teach and disciple others have to be teachable. Have to be. All right, let me finish this up real quick. So the Bible gives us these if-then scenarios we can count on. Let it not, let's not let our speculations of how we would be happy if only situations take place of depending on his certainties. In John 11:26, Jesus said, Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? How about you? Do you believe Jesus' promise? Notice I didn't ask if you believe in the promise. Do you believe his promise? Do you believe his promise? Our hope is fixed on the promise that God will do as he says. I've got that in big, bold letters because we need to understand that that's a big, bold statement. Our promise, our hope is fixed on the promise that God will do as he says. That's faith and that's that confirmation that we saw in that other verse where he is faithful. He is not going to do anything that's going to be contrary to his own character. Praise the Lord for that. If we had a God who was wishy-washy, we'd be in big trouble. Amen? We can be wishy-washy all the time. Right? Uh, yeah. Yes, he has. Yes. The amazing thing about speaking to the Holy Spirit, you're speaking to Jesus. You're speaking to, you're still speaking to him. It's not like that they're operating on a, on a different planet. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's over in Jupiter, so-and-so's in Mars. No, they're all together. It's the same thing. 
So we, you know, we don't need to play games with who we're talking to and all that. We know we're talking to who we need to hear what needs to be heard. The Spirit, you have to respond to the Spirit who lives inside of you. And you can either accept what He teaches you or reject it. Okay. So, write the truthful if-then statement that you need most on an index card or make it the screensaver on your computer, then meditate on it and memorize it. One thing I do want to encourage you to do, for those of you who are still working, put the Word around you everywhere. On little calendars, you can buy them and you can buy... Go up to uh, Lifeway, who's closing, you know, any moment, and go get a calendar and put it up on your desk. You can probably get it for, like, nothing. But it's, it's so valuable to have the words surround you wherever you go. So that you can look at it and see it in the midst of your busy day. I encourage that strongly. That's one thing that I've been doing, and I encourage you to do it all the time. Do it! It ain't illegal to put it on your desk. Do it while we can. Amen. All right. So (laughs) may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, 13. Amen. All right. We have like about a minute. I'm looking at my clock. Don't look at that clock because it's actually behind. It's actually 1019. Lesson 13. I'm just going to read the opening paragraph of that. And I'm going to ask you, please hang on to your lesson. Do not lose it. I only make a certain number of copies every week. But we can start with this lesson, at least reading the initial part of it, because it will set us up for next week. Amen? All right, so the top of the page, lesson 13. That's the handout that you received. One Sunday morning after worship, Phil, which is uh, Jennifer's husband, her husband, turned to me and said, Jennifer, I want you to meet Yakov Smirnoff. I turned in my pew toward Phil and laughed, very funny. You see, Phil is ever pulling some kind of prank, usually random and nonsensical. So I admired his imaginativeness in creating this one by pulling out a name from the past. Yakov was a Russian-born comedian who I had seen on TV. You guys know who Yakov Smirnoff is, right? Many of you have seen him. Okay. All right, it's like, who is, who is Yakov Smirnov, right? Okay. He always made jokes about the KGB and had a laugh that can't be imitated. Leave me alone, I snapped at Phil as I turned to visit with someone beside me. No, Jennifer, really. I felt a tinge of awareness as if Phil could actually be serious. Stranger things have happened, I guess. Yakov could be at my church, in the pew behind me, just as easily as I could run into Brad Pitt at my local Walmart. I won't believe it unless I hear him laugh, was my clever retort. Clever, I thought, until I heard this guttural, raspy sound like an asthmatic seal choking up cotton balls. It was him. There was no mistaking the laugh of Yakov Smirnov. I was both embarrassed and enchanted. He was so whimsical and kind. But who would have thought you just never know who is right there with you, near you, around you? Do you? Then I write, have you ever had a close encounter with a celebrity? I have. Isn't it strange that they can sometimes pop up out of what seems like nowhere? And they do. You know, one time I had an encounter with Mike White on a plane, but it wasn't a good one. (laughs) The former mayor of Cleveland. 
I was sitting, I was sitting in, in his seat in the, uh, in the airplane. He goes, you're in my seat, sir. And he said it in kind of a very stern voice. You know, Mike White is like about you know, four feet tall, as far as I'm concerned. You know, he's one of those guys. So he has to sound like he's projecting, that type of thing. So, so I, had to get up, I had to change seats because I was, in fact, sitting in his seat. Um, that's just one example. But, yeah, every now and then you'll, you'll run into somebody and you wonder, oh, how did that happen? You know. Okay. The reality of God's omnipresence is that he is everywhere. But he can show himself to be with us in ways and places we least expect. His presence is personal just as it was on a dusty road to Emmaus. That's how you pronounce it, Emmaus. Luke tells of a walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which crescendos with an appearance by Jesus himself. Depending upon the disciples' pace, the walk could have taken anywhere between an hour to three hours. For a couple of guys, these were very chatty guys. They were in a deep conversation. I'm going to stop here. I want you, as part of your homework assignment, to get into Luke 24 and read verses 14 through 19. That's what we're going to pick up next week. You need to read about this encounter. It's interesting that Scripture puts forth this encounter for us. This is after Jesus came back, after the resurrection, and the communication that took place. And you have to admit, the communication when Jesus came back was mysterious. Because he did just pop in. He popped up a lot. Those were the ways that he was seen at that time. So that's your homework, and we'll pick up in this area next time to get started with this lesson. Amen? So, a quick takeaway for today, though. When we lack faith, he is faithful. He will teach us as long as we call upon him. Always remember his presence. Don't let if-then scenarios ruin that relationship. Because that's what they'll do. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to hear you speak to us through the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your reassurance. Thank you for showing us that you want to teach us. You desire to have this relationship with us. And not just a casual relationship, but a deep, vibrant, enriching experience with you. Lord, we truly want to give our lives to you in all aspects. Help us with that very issue as we go forward. Help us to remain prayerful in those areas where we struggle. Help us to truly seek after you and gain wisdom on how to resolve those issues. We thank you for helping us to overcome Satan, overcome temptation, overcome those things that can derail us. Lord, we want to live in freedom with you. We do not want to be in bondage. Help us in those very areas, Lord, where we still want to be in bondage. We thank you for the good results. We thank you for the teaching. We thank you for the lessons we even learn from other people about how to live. Thank you for continuing to teach us. Thank you for giving us the mindset to have teachable hearts. Willing to listen. Willing to learn more. So that we can be effective disciples for you. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.